Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa bhutang tammang sankhang namasami in the Buddhist uh, approach, the emphasis uh, is, on, is on the contemplation, uh, reflection, pondering, examination, these kind of words. Ability to look into and, and uh, watch and listen test out, prove. Uh, so it is, I think this is one of the reason so many of us were attracted to Buddhism in the first place, because uh, something in us felt that that would, that's what we wanted to do. So we didn't want to just kind of be handed a set of beliefs, ready-made beliefs that you just uh, memorize. If there's a truth, and one one felt you could prove it, or you had to know it, you had to realize it. So that's why, in a, in a retreat like this, we emphasize this this uh, to to really look into, consider, contemplate. Temple was originally a templum was a, a Latin word which meant a place you go to to contemplate, to think or reflect upon the nature of life and the heavens and the earth and so forth, the relationships. So uh, the temple or the templum was was a place set up was just a piece of a, a spot designated for contemplation. That's a, I like that, to think in that, to think of a temple rather than some kind of uh, sacred building that, for ceremonies, is more of a place for, designated for human beings to go outside, say, the village life, the, the busyness of the marketplace, and so forth, to some spot designated to contemplate the meaning of life, the nature of the universe. What's it all about? What's its purpose? What happens when we die? Why are we born? And these are the questions that we can, we can't, we don't, we don't want answers like somebody to tell us the answer. It's not that, that uh, there's a lot of uh, answers to these questions already provided. Somebody will tell you your your purpose in life is to become to know God and to love, or your purpose is this or that. But uh, those—that's not what we don't want. Those kind of answers given to us, because the answers to these questions are from through this realization, or through uh, and some through a our own 
uh, our own realization of truth. It's ineffable. It's not. It's not something that that we want to write down and pass out in a list, questions and answers. Then the approach of the Buddha was through investigating the experience of suffering. The first noble truth is the truth of dukkha. There is this suffering. This suffering is to be understood. Suffering is to be looked at, to be examined, to be understood. The, the, the suffering on this retreat is, is, uh, is to be understood. So we, to understand something, you have to go to it, you have to accept it, you have to investigate it, watch it. Suffering usually is just uh, something we react to. Let's get rid of it. Uh, we, 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 we want to uh, avoid it or get rid of it. Or we can go to it, like physical pain. Just, just uh, say in, in this retreat, when you're feeling just physical discomfort, physical pain, go to the actual sensation, the feeling that you call painful feeling. And put your attention onto that, that sensation. Try it out as a way of investigating painful sensations. Now, there's a subtlety here that sometimes we do this in order to get rid of the pain. But that's not, that's, uh, you won't, that won't work. As long as there's a desire to get rid of something, uh, no matter how, I'm going, if you think I'm going, if you say I'm going to be patient, look at my pain, hoping it'll go away, then you're really saying I want to get rid of the pain, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to play a trick on it, and uh, but it doesn't work. The pain will win out, and you will, you will, uh, you will uh, find that you have you, you have to accept it forever, as if it was going to go on forever, and you, you don't mind. You're willing to, to have it forevermore and learn how to be just patient. And with this attitude, then you, you, you begin to see what we call painful sensation is merely a, a kind of rhythm or uh, uh, in the body. It, it has, so you can see that sometimes the, it, uh, it gets very strong, sometimes it goes very weak. It's, it's very anicca, very impermanent. And yet, when we perceive it as pain and, uh, and, and the associations of, that we have with that perception of pain, then we don't even notice the, the variety or when it lessens or when it increases. Uh, we just call it terrible and want to get rid of it. We react emotionally to it. And, uh, and therefore, we, we just, uh, even when it's, when it's hardly noticeable, we still can be thinking, I can't bear this anymore, I've had enough. So what we do is we separate, we learn how to separate what is actual, the way it is, the physical uh, vibration that we call pain as an experience. We can 
we go, we go to it, we look at it, we, we begin to just accept it and, and stay with it, learn that it, it takes patience. And, 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 and totally accepting it with a kind of loving-kindness attitude. And then you can see your, your emotional reaction of, I can't stand it, I don't like it, I don't want it, I can't bear it. Now then, when you see that difference, then you can, you, you can drop the emotional side, just the reactiveness to the, to the sensation. That's quite a relief. Because that's what we can't bear, is our own emotional uh, proliferations. Because they, they say, I can't stand it, I can't bear it, this is horrible, I want it to go away. When we can stand it and we can bear it. Human beings, we can bear so many things, we can stand so many things we think we can't stand. And so, this, uh, some people, you know, they, they, they have a low pain threshold. That means when they get just a little bit of pain, they I can't stand it. <laughs> some people have a high, they can take a lot of pain before they say, I can't stand it. And people get used to pain. Some people have chronic physical pain and they get used to living with physical pain and they can stand enormous amounts of pain before it gets to the place of I can't stand it. And others just a, a pinprick, like like taking an injection. When I when I was in the Navy I was a medic and I remember some some sailors could would would just freak out the idea of a, when you were going to inject them with a syringe. There's, no, there's not much pain in that. Mitnoy, little bit. And yet some of them big men too. <laughs> and several fainted. Because it's the it's the emotional reaction, isn't it? The, even before the, the, the needle touches you, you know, you can be, oh, I can't take it. You can start feeling a kind of pain before it even touches you through hysteria, the power of suggestion. So in the Buddha, designated pain as the first, or suffering as the first noble truth, then then the, the, the aim was to investigate, to go to it. Because life in this realm is, is we have a lot of suffering in this, in this human state. It's a sensitive place to be. And, and we, our nature is to suffer from it. We suffer all kinds of things. In just this, this year, haven't we? We've just the amount of of natural catastrophes that have that have hit this planet. This has been a hard year for planet Earth, just on level, you know, nothing to do with man's polluting the, the planet, it's Mother Nature going berserk. Like Mother Nature's had enough, it's saying, I've had enough of these human beings. 
earthquakes, floods, hurricanes, typhoons, tidal waves. Every day there's a new horror story in the news about some dreadful natural disaster. Uh, and, and so that we recognize that this realm we're in is, is a realm of, of pain and suffering. So, and not that that is uh, there's anything wrong with that, but it, but it means that, that when w- it's something to learn from, something to investigate, to contemplate and reflect upon, and this is what the Buddha did. To, to understand suffering means you realize non-suffering. So, say, the first noble truth then is the truth, there is this suffering, this dukkha, and then there, uh, the fourth noble truth is the realization or the practice or the way or development, cultivation of non-suffering. Because ultimately there's no suffering. When there's mindfulness, wisdom, there's no suffering. When, when there's heedlessness, selfishness, fear, desire, then there's all kinds of suffering. So when the Buddha if we, say, if we think of Buddhism as a religion about suffering, this isn't quite right, is it? It's, the first noble truth definitely is a statement that there is suffering, but it's not saying that, that it's not making a metaphysical statement about suffering. It's not saying everything. Even so, this is sometimes Buddhism is is uh, translated into terms like the Buddha taught that everything is suffering. This is in some of the school books here in England. And they, they, on comparative religions, they say, uh, Buddha, um, Jesus Christ taught love and forgiveness. Buddha taught uh, everything is suffering. <laughs> well, if that's what he was teaching, that is kind of that's just the way to being depressed, isn't it? If everything's suffering, then uh, then that means that. Uh, Life is, we're just going to be depressed by practicing Buddhism. It's better to, to talk about love, at least to get high on love, <laughs> happiness. But because the first noble truth is a statement, reflective statement, not a, not a metaphysical doctrine, there is suffering. And the fourth noble truth then is there is non-suffering, there is no suffering through right understanding. So the Buddha was teaching the truth about the way things are. When, when we are mindful and free from delusion, there is non-suffering. We still feel things because of the nature of our state as a human being. You're still going to feel cold when it gets cold or you're still going to feel the the needle of the syringe go into your 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 um, body when it when it does that, and it feels like that. And you're going to feel uh, uh, when some, when you see something ugly, you're still going to see it, uh, feel the ugliness of it, or hear something uh, some dreadful sound. You're still going to hear the the dreadfulness of it. But you don't create suffering around it. In other words, you, you're seeing it is, as in your co- uh, through the flow of consciousness, but you're not creating suffering around these things. 
and this we have a choice. We have a we can choose to to live our lives in ignorance and fear and desire and and suffer from it, or we can deliberately choose not to do that. And it's not through hiding away or becoming insensitive, but by understanding the nature, the true nature of things. So in this way, it's a kind of wonderful, wonderful opportunity we have as human beings. The second and third noble truths then are about the cause and the the cause of suffering is the second noble truth. And the third noble truth is the realization of non-suffering or the, the cessation of suffering. So the the first noble truth is is the description. There is suffering. You go to it. Look at it. Don't just react to it and try to get rid of it. Accept it and study it, investigate it, examine it. What does it feel like? I've studied like uh, I've, I've been through uh, the, the knee pains. I don't have any pain in my knees anymore for years now. My knees have been very pleasant knees to live with. But <laughs> when I first ordained, it was, it was horrible sitting like this. This is where the ties sit when you listen to talks with one leg on, on the side. It's called polite posture. And, uh, and they insist in a Thai monastery that you sit in polite posture and you listen. And uh, the teachers sometimes can go on for hours. You think I'm a windbag. <laughs> So you do get these terrible pains in your knees, and and uh, I've been through that. I know it, but through through investigation and and actually these these things do resolve themselves. So the past say, twenty years have been uh, my knees have been very nice, to pleasant knees. I can sit like this for hours. I can sit the other way, and this way, and that way. <laughs> but that's physical pain. But I, but going to it, going to to uh, to the pain, and being patient, and 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 uh, and seeing it in terms of dhamma, like like what is what is the actual sensation itself, and what is it that I make up in my mind to make that in a kind of like a a question to ask yourself, what is the actual, can I stand this, this sensation, really, if I just really look at it? Or what is, what is my reaction, my emotional reaction to, to discomfort? I, it makes me impatient, for one thing. Pain makes me very restless and impatient. Get a little bit of pain, discomfort, and I want to get rid of it. The restlessness is there. I, I, I used to want to get into a kind of deep samadhi or concentrated state and I used to hope that I would get 
I would develop such a powerful concentration that I wouldn't feel anything anymore. I was hoping to, to transcend the physical body through suppressing the total, the total thing with my mind. This is what I used to think was good practice. If I just can live up in a, in a concentrated state, mental state, and not feel anything in the body anymore, that would be kind of, I'd really be a good meditator, a success story. And so I used to, to try to suppress pain and, uh, and, the, um, uh, and just try to concentrate my mind on a mental image. But uh, I think it, I'd, that would have terrible uh, repercussions because of the. I start my body started to kind of getting more painful, more sick, and and uh, became more kind of unpleasant uh, through the tensions I'd create and the rejection of it, the rejection of the body and the determination not to let it not to try to ignore its, its messages and its feelings, its sensations. So then I became aware that that wasn't very good practice. It, it was through uh, bringing the body into your consciousness, going to it, uh, examining it with your mind, you, so that you're, the, the feelings of it, the pressures in it, the tensions, just the, these kind of of feelings uh, before they even get painful, just the the pressure of sitting or the 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 neutral feelings of the body that we begin to to acknowledge and and see and realize through our investigation of the of the uh, uh, sensations of the body, then the body seemed to to um, become increasingly healthy and it seemed to, uh, and the 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 um, conditions for concentration increased because one doesn't wasn't just using a, a strong will to suppress. So, regard your body as something to not to pamper and to to spoil and to, uh, but to understand and to respect. If you, if you respect it and treat it properly, it will serve you well and you'll learn a lot when it'll be, and it'll behave itself. Like anything else, it needs to be accepted and respected for what it is. The cause of suffering then is, is the three kinds of desire. And so that, that's what this desire, dunha in Pali, is is the is the what comes out of ignorance. Now, in in uh, Pali language, you have a more refined uh, way of discrimination in regards to words like desire and aspiration. In English, we tend to we tend to think of uh, desire or sometimes desire oftentimes has a has a rather bad connotation. And yet, desire in Pali, Dhanha, can be also desire for good things, like desire to be, to, to be good, or desire to help 
uh, other beings or desire to to become a, somebody in order to you know to become an enlightened person or the desire to to get rid of uh, anger and, get, and desire to get rid of selfishness can be considered good desires but they if they come out of avicca or not understanding things properly then it's the cause of suffering by grasping these desires we we create suffering as you can see when you when you want to get rid of pain you suffer more when you want to get rid of anger and you grasp that desire to get rid of anger you 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 suffer even more not only do you suffer from the anger you suffer from the desire to get rid of it gets complicated say with jealousy wanting to get rid of jealousy not only is there jealousy but there's also the desire to get rid of it so everything becomes complicated and difficult so desire to get rid of things is is one kind of desire desire to become and desire for sense pleasures now gamma dana is the desire for sense pleasures that, and it's quite obvious a simple kind of desire you see something uh, beautiful you want it that kind that's a kind of desire gamma dana and that's easy to see and it's coarse enough and and obvious enough but uh, and so that that, that is uh, something that we can um, we can oftentimes we we feel uh, uh, you know is something that we shouldn't be feeling we shouldn't be having uh, sensual desires if you're a if you're a celibate monk and and you see uh, a beautiful woman and you feel gamma uh, dunha then then you think I shouldn't be feeling that or is is that just uh, is is dunha something to understand and to reflect upon so rather than just taking a stand against desire a kind of moral stand as anti-desire anti-dunha stand we we need to look at and and recognize dunha for what it is you need to study it and so that dunha is something to to uh, that you really know not just something you feel you shouldn't have because that is the self view isn't it I, a good monk shouldn't have those kind of desires is is a kind of moral moralistic uh, approach in which if if we if we uh, if that's what all we do with our with our life as a monk then it then we're always uh, feeling where we shouldn't be what we are we shouldn't be feeling what we're feeling we sh- we shouldn't have the desires if we were if we were good monk we wouldn't have those kind of thoughts we wouldn't have those kind of desires Uh, kind of the ideal monk is this is like the Buddha Rupa, isn't it? Buddha Rupa doesn't feel anything. It's the ideal. That's not what I used to want to be. Was like the Buddha Rupa. If I could sit there, like this one does, doesn't move, doesn't twitch, doesn't have to go to the loo, doesn't have to do anything. Just sit there. <laughs> Been doing that for years, and it always looks beautiful. And, doesn't feel anything 
beautiful woman walks in front doesn't phase it in the least. <laughs> doesn't feel anything. No problem. Uh, so that 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 is sometimes what we that's an ideal though, isn't that's a that's a a an image that's a that's a perfection, a, a, a perfect image. But it doesn't feel anything. But our our experience of life is through feeling and and, and so we and desire is very much uh, a part of our human experience that we need to understand and recognize. So Gama Danha it's not something to try to suppress or, or make a critical judgments or take stands against it, but watch it, observe it. What is it? To get to know what it feels like, that desire, that, just, that, that thing that arrives in your mind when you want something. You see something beautiful, you want it. And you you begin if you reflect upon it, you 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 begin to see this this in your mind as as a process that's going on, and that you begin to 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 observe isn't isn't really not you. It's just it's a it's a reaction to things. It is what it is, and so you can see it objectively, which means that that uh, then. More and more, you you see done you see done now uh, as something to to let go of if you're attached to, or you see it something to not attach to if it if it arises. Bawa dana then gama dana is sense sense desire for sense pleasures, and then bawa dana is a desire for becoming, and this is a this is oftentimes a very high-minded kind of desire. This isn't just wanting delicious food and sex and a good time. But it's it's uh, can be very altruistic and just super refined. And because of that, we we uh, we we think we we regard it very highly. Bawadanha is is oftentimes the way we practice. In order to become, isn't it? how many of you come to this retreat in order to become something? You're not good enough the way you are. There, you're too. You have too many problems. You get angry too easily. You're too weak. You're you're too confused. You're a mess. You're you're full of stress and selfish, self-centered, neurotic problems. Every one of you, of course. <laughs> And so you come here to become somebody who doesn't have any of these terrible things. It's bawadanha, isn't it? It's based on what? I am, there's something wrong with me the way I am now. And if I practice hard enough, I will become, I will become something that I should be, that I'd like to be. It's not like this Buddha Rupa. I'd like to be like that. Just be able to sit there and smile and not feel anything not have sore knees, not get bored and feel fed up and all the rest. Contemplate this in, in your own, just your own attitude towards yourself. I am somebody, I'm this person, there's something wrong with me. 
And I, if I meditate, practice hard, sit for hours on end, chant uh, Pali over and over again, and uh, do this, uh, you know, for a long time, then I may become somebody enlightened, which would be very nice to be to become an enlightened somebody in the future, hopefully, and that's the that's the bawadanai. Now that is the way the world thinks, isn't it? That's that's the way you think about yourself, and we think about each other, and we it's it's a, it's a common attitude. It's not it, it's a, it's a delusion that the whole society runs on, isn't it? We, we, uh, we it's not that we're going to think there's nothing wrong with me, and I don't have to do anything because I am just wonderful the way I am. And uh, therefore, I needn't practice meditation because uh, that's still I am somebody that's uh, that's all right and 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 wonderful the way I am. It's still a self view. But the desire, pointing to desire to become something that uh, that you think that you that you think you you have to. Become. You have to get some time in the future. Becoming is is about t- the uh, illusion of time. If you do this sometime in the future, you will you might become enlightened. Then the third uh, type of desire is vipavadana, the desire to get rid of, which is a very kind of self righteous desire, isn't it? Get rid of those defilements. Get rid of those. Get rid of your anger. Get rid of your selfishness. And it's all this kind of self-righteous that we've got to get rid of these bad qualities. Wipe them out. Destroy them. Kill them. So Vipavadana always has this sense of a kind of righteousness to it. Uh, it's uh, when 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 you have, see a very self-righteous person, they're usually coming from that position, wanting to get, destroy and get rid of the bad, kill the devil, get rid of Satan, uh, destroy the demons. All of this is is wanting to to annihilate and get rid of evil and badness. Sin, get rid of the heretics, burn the witches. Uh, in this country, several hundred years ago, they used to burn witches, heretics. There's kind of this whippa wadanha was was rampant among the Christians. I think 500 years ago, Columbus discovered America. Only 500. The Spanish Inquisition began. They, 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 they pushed out the Jews and the Muslims from Spain. Before that, they had a fairly uh, benevolent civilization. They, they took, they, they just, they, they persecuted the the remaining Muslims, the Moors. Sent the Jews away, and the the self righteous Roman Catholic 
approach towards getting rid of heretics and and it went on in anything that anybody that didn't agree was somebody you you got rid of kill the demons kill the devil beat the devil destroy it it uh, sounds right doesn't it it has a kind of right quality to it i mean it seems like that's the right thing to do get rid of evil seems like uh, something that is uh, right But see what happens when you do that to yourself. When you're just trying to get rid of evil thoughts, get rid of selfishness, get rid of anger, what happens? When you're, when you're just uh, getting caught up with this, this, this uh, righteous desires to get rid of the bad, what, hap- what is the result? And then you, you examine. What is the result of a practice based on getting rid of? And of course, we, we, from, from my own experience, I can't speak for you, is that when I would practice in order to get rid of things, then I would become, I'd suffer a lot. I'd, I'd had, I'd, I would feel, uh, I'd be suppressing, I'd be denying, I'd be rejecting, I'd be fighting, resisting. And, in, and because of that, then you can only do that so long and then it, you fall apart. And then you, you go the opposite way from being a kind of self-righteous Puritan. Suddenly you just, you just want to indulge in the most coarse kind of evil things. Because uh, you, can only, you can only fight so long and then you, you can't do it anymore. You can hold things down so long and then they come explode up, explode out, and uh, and you fail. And then you say, to heck with it, I'll just go out and do what I want. Follow all my desires. Follow the devils and the demons and all that. Uh, so that this is, this is the uh, result of, like, like wanting to kill the devil, kill or burn the witches, burn the heretics, what happens? Very, uh, the evil forces become even stronger. Because in order to get rid of evil, has this, has the, uh, it only has power when, it, when we let it delude us. Evil, what, what is evil anyway? It's, it's delusion. And it has power when it can delude us. When, you, when evil can't delude you anymore, it has no power. You've taken it away. Like if I can make you frightened of me, I have power over you. you know, if, if, if I can make you frightened, terrify you, then I have power. I come into the room and, and you run out. That means I have power over you. But if, if, if you take away that my power means that instead of running, you just look at me and say, I know you, tomato. You come on like a devil, but I'm, I'm not going to, to be deluded by the appearances of things anymore. I shrivel up. I have no power. I've been 
castrated or emasculated or whatever through through the through just wise understanding and seeing things as they are. Oftentimes, a dragon is in in myth is is uh, you know this enormous kind of terrifying creature that breathes fire. And and whenever and when you see it, you know the 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 knight sees this dragon. It's a it's the most frightening, terrifying creature uh, that you could possibly see or witness come across. But when seen for what it is, it 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 it, it collapses. It's like a it it's it's a just an illusion. But as long as it can can convince you that it's a terrifying, frightening, horrible creature, then it has power. Then you, then you will react in that way. So this Vipawadanha desire to, to, uh, to kill the evil really is another form of, of uh, delusion. And we give increasing power to, to evil forces. To burn witches is evil, and yet I'm sure they, they thought they were doing something good. And I'm sure that they weren't doing, that the, the people that were burning the witches, I'm sure they weren't thinking, I'm going to do this evil act and burn a witch. We're going to do the right thing. We're the proper witnesses to the truth of God's love. And, we're, and, the only, and we've got to get rid of these evil forces. Let's burn the witches. So it's coming from a very righteous sense of, of righteousness, this is the right thing to do, and we must do this. Uh, and and so that this is this is a very strong delusion that is not uncommon in religious practice. The holier than thou problem, isn't it? The the sense of being right, of of being better, say, of being because I'm. I, I live on a, at a high standard of moral uh, morality and renunciation, then I can think that I'm better than the rest, better than somebody who isn't. I'm holier, I'm more pure. And this is the, these are the problems, say, with, with, with uh, being attached to views of purity and being right and morality. Because the attachment uh, to the, to those views, those perceptions, uh, is the problem, isn't it? It's it, morality is fine, purity is great, nothing wrong with it. But it's the illusions, delusions we create through identifying with it by making judgments about others. The bawadanha, vipavadanha type of, of uh, problems that we create in our minds. So in the, with the Second Noble Truth, we're examining this, this dunha. We look at it and, and observe it in the way, it, the way we have it. Our, our bhava dunha, vipava dunha, karma dunha experiences. Get to know them. Contemplate them, not, not, say, not take them 
a moral stand that you're you're a bad person because you have these desires, and you shouldn't. But we all have these these, these desires. It's part of our karma for being born as a human being. So that these desires are to be seen, to be known, to be understood. And then we have the insight into letting go of desire, because this insight into the second noble truth is the insight of letting go of desire. So the first noble truth is the is to understand desire, understand suffering. The second noble truth is to let go of the insight into letting go of these three kinds of desires. Now these three categories of desires are just helpful ways of, of designating different, of say, coarse form, for coarse kinds of desires to re- very refined ones. Helps you to, to see the, like the, the self-righteous tendencies of wanting to destroy the evil forces. Or just wanting to get rid of anger. I want to get rid of this anger is Vipavadanha. Wanting to, things like, it's become like wanting, in Thailand where you have a lot of mosquitoes, there's a lot of Vipavadanha to get rid of mosquitoes. Get rid of those things that annoy me, that that uh, make life difficult, that frustrate. So we contemplate that and in, in, in get to know it, not to, to begin to really examine and see it. So that desire in any form, no matter how subtle or how coarse, is, is recognized immediately. You, you know it. You say, I know you. I know what you are. And because we, we have studied it and, no, and, uh, and examined it so thoroughly that there's no way it can delude us. No matter how righteous or refined or subtle it might be. So in the first noble truth is the understanding, second noble truth is the letting go, third noble truth is the realization of non-attachment. It's the niroda or the nibbana, realization called nibbana realization of the end of suffering or the the uh, cessation and when when you let a desire go when you let go of it doesn't mean you get rid of it like letting go isn't like throwing this out the window throwing it away I can let go just putting it down. I might need it when I want to ring the bell. If I throw it out the window, then I wouldn't have it. I wouldn't, it would be of no use to me out the window. But I can just put it down, let go of it now. Uh, letting go is, 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 it can, is seen as mental, just letting go inside. Not 
not getting rid of, not destroying, but just letting things be, letting them be as they are. So if you're feeling angry, then letting go of anger means that you're, you're letting the anger be what it is. And then, then, then letting go of anger means that you're, you're not going to make any problems around the feeling of anger. And then it ceases and you realize it's, it's, it's cessation. This is the third noble truth. So this pattern of, of say, of, of arising and ceasing, as, as represented in the second and third noble truths, is, is, uh, is these, t- these uh, truths are to be examined and to be studied and applied to your own uh, uh, experiences. We call it internalizing these truths. We can read them in a book, memorize them, talk about them uh, theoretically, but there'll be no liberation as long as if we don't if we don't apply that to our own experience. And to see these noble truths as they actually are in our own experience of life. Now a realization is is, is something that you realize. It's a, it, it, you don't you don't have to go anywhere to realize. Uh, it, it's always here and now, isn't it? It, it? The reality is now. It's not something you're going to find in some other place or some other time. So you're you're not uh, not a matter of of having all the right things uh, and, and, and being in the right place at the right time, but realizing truth now, realization that, that uh, what arises ceases and is not self, is not, there's no, there's the, there's the sense of it, uh, the, the uh, interpretation of the arising and ceasing of conditioned realm is no longer taken personally. It's seen in the terms of, of Dhamma. What is subject to arising is subject to ceasing. This, the Buddha, is his, is his teaching over and over again. If you study the, the suttas in the Tripitaka and the Pali Canon, this is mainly what the Buddha was teaching. What is subject to arising is subject to ceasing. And it's a very obvious, a very simple reflection and yet, uh, as a realization, it's it's a libera- it's a liberation, it's enlightenment. So it's obviously not just being able to understand the the meaning of the words, but realizing the the that knowing the reality of it in your own mind and heart. When I talk about uh, listening and watching and witnessing, notice how I I use these words uh, rather than say becoming, trying to get samadhi, trying to get your practice together, trying to. Uh, that's how one one I used to talk, used to teach, 
You've got to sit there and work through the pain. And then that would then send everybody off into agony. And bring these suggestions, these kind of gung-ho suggestions to, to people. And, um, I remember when, when at the Buddhist Center in Oxford years ago, used to, John Coleman used to invite us to sit on his retreats, these kind of uh, Goenkaji type retreats. And, uh, and every day they'd have a period called maximum determination. Maximum determination. They called it maximum determination, which you'd sit there and not give in to any of the pain in your in your knees. And I began to notice that ordinarily, when there wasn't any maximum determination suggestions, I could sit for an hour without any pain in my knees. But as soon as they'd say maximum determination. <laughs> It'd be within five minutes, my knees would be <laughs> in agony. And that's a heavy perception, isn't it? You know, to me it is, you know. Immediately you, you tense up, you're getting ready for the, I'm going to take it on a walk. Well, before I was quite happy just sitting there, relaxed. And so that in there, in, when we when we talk about pushing and getting and uh, and achieving and uh, and this we used in Thailand a lot with uh, in the Thai monastery, you know, kill your kilesas was a common way of talking. Kill your kilesas, and uh, um, you know this kind of driving. Uh, uh, type of way of speaking was, was very common in the forest uh, monastic tradition. And uh, I think maybe that, that works for, for Thai monks, but for Western monks it, wasn't, it didn't work very well for us because uh, in, a, in a Western conditioned mind uh, you're full of this kind of driving quality anyway. You, always, you know, the the Western male is a very kind of willful, driving character. And so you'd get Western monks kind of driving themselves. They, their knees would, would they destroy their knees, their backs. They would, they'd fall apart. They'd have nervous breakdowns in this kill your, kill your type of philosophy. So what what we needed to do was to learn how to to not kill kilesis, how to have a different uh, kind of more gentle approach that would balance out the, this kind of heaviness uh, of our cultural conditioning. I think we need a lot, uh, we need to practice like metta, loving kindness, uh, things that oftentimes we, we find, you know, in, that say if, you're, if you are trying to prove your manhood, uh, then it's, it's one really likes the idea of getting in there and fighting kilesis, you know, punching them, fighting, this kind of 
kung fu approach where the the enemy comes and you punch them you fight them away the warrior type of hero hero the the warrior hero is a is a is a western ideal kind of Sylvester Stallone type character Rambo But it doesn't work. Doesn't, well that doesn't, I've never seen very good results from that. So that in, in, in contemplating and watching and observing what does work, you find out for yourself what kind of, what kind of fixations you have and what character tendencies you, 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 that uh, drive you. So you begin to know yourself. You know, if you're, if you're too, uh, if you're, if you're a really heavy, overly serious uh, type of person that, that has a very strong will and, uh, and that, then you, well, you need to back off a bit and learn how to be more kind of easygoing and gentle and develop some humor and, uh, and, and learn how to balance things rather than to just think that, that an endless kind of act of will and force and hard work and all that is going to be able to to get you what you want because you're just following these desires and you, and you and you and but you think you're right because it sounds right kill the devils but in the suttas the pali canon if you notice the the buddha whenever mara would tempt him mara was the is a name for the tempter or the evil or the satan, satanic forces. Mara would come and you know, I'm really going to see if I can delude the Buddha this time and, and do something, you know, very, very clever. And the Buddha would say, I know you, Mara. And then Mara would say, oh, foiled again. <laughs> Can't delude a Buddha, no matter how hard I try. So, Notice there wasn't anything of killing the killing Mara, was it? It wasn't a matter of of cutting his throat or burning Mara at the at the stake, uh, or even swearing at Mara. Get out of here, you dirty so and so! It was just I know you, I know I know Mara. And so, like with desire, we know desire. We're not we're not trying to get rid of it or take us, try to, to uh, suppress desire, but to know. And to know it, we need to study it and as we experience it, not, not just uh, kind of abstract theoretical desires, but the actual things that we experience in daily life. We, we, we watch them and observe how it, how it is, how it affects a conscious experience. In the Christian, when Jesus was being tempted by Satan upon the kind of the cliff, you know, Satan was saying, "If you follow me, I'll give you all this. This whole realm will be yours." Jesus didn't push him over the cliff. Get out of here, you dirty so and so. He said, "Stand behind me. Get over there." You know, 
So notice that this this uh, this is a way to deal with with evil or with temptation or things like not not to to curse it or swear swear at it, but to just not be deluded by it because it's a part of our our experience as a human being to have temptations and evil forces are part of our human experience. They're, they're something that we learn from. When you see the, the devil's uh, satanic forces, maras and that, are really the things that awaken us, that in the state we're in. It's, it's not that they, we're, you know, we're not trying to say they shouldn't be here because they're a part of every human uh, experience. It's part of it's the way things are for us. We have these temptations and impulses. And we have uh, impulses to kill and murder and rape and to steal and to uh, do all kinds of dreadful things. You can see when, when people have lost uh, their ability to see things properly, then these kind of of uh, impulses can take us over. What's happening in in Bosnia, Herzegovina? We hear the most horrendous stories of brutality and rape and cruelty. Uh, in a, in that we're in, in a you know in a country that's supposed to be a modern Western country and civilized. People shouldn't be acting like that. It's disgusting. But yet, if we don't, if we if we lose, if we if we if we're merely just refraining from these activities out of fear of being punished, then when we're no longer punished for it, then we then we can easily do it. Kill and murder and commit atrocities. But if we see in our in our own mind the the pain, the suffering that comes from following, from acting on these impulses and desires, then there's no way we're going to do that. We're, it's it's from our own insight and, and integrity, personal integrity. We're not just being good because we're afraid of being bad or we'll be punished for breaking laws, but we're being good because we love the good. We love to be good. We we find that our great joy in life uh, rather than just being good in order to be rewarded or to not do bad things because we're afraid of being punished. You, know, you, you hear the stories of, of, say, Vietnam veterans and, and uh, young men who went off to uh, American men went off to fight in in Vietnam in the in the uh, 60s and 70s. Uh, kind of average uh, people from places like Arkansas and Iowa and whatnot, and and um, got involved in the violent battles where they committed atrocities. And then we think, how could our boys do such dreadful things? American uh, servicemen are not supposed to do any of, are not supposed to commit atrocities. Always the the enemy that does that. I think the Vietnam War was a great shock to the American people because they they realized that their own sweet little boys 
We're right in the midst of uh, committing atrocities, murdering, raping, stealing, and all the rest. How could they do it? It's because the conditions are there. It's in war, then those things are allowed. You're not punished for doing them. Uh, they're exciting. Violence of any sort, all that is exciting to the mind. It, one can easily be, for a man with the male energy, with its uh, kind of aggressiveness, uh, with its uh, outgoing aggressive tendencies, and its power easily goes into brutality. It's it's a it's a, you know a male tendency. There's quite a natural tendency, and if we don't understand it and and uh, come to terms with it, then of course we're all capable of of being brutes when the conditions allow for it to be that way. But when we understand things and see things in the right way, then there's no way we're going to do that, no matter what the conditions are. Better to die than to to kill somebody. That's that's how I see it. I'd rather die than I'd rather be killed than kill somebody. Why? Because I'm going to die anyway, someday. It doesn't matter whether it's now or 20 years from now or whether it's just, I'm not begging for time. But I don't want to have to live the rest of my life with, uh, with, uh, with, the, with the memory of murdering somebody, <laughs> killing somebody, being responsible for the murder, killing of, of, other, of other human beings. That's a reflection from I see is you know just as you as you investigate more and more, then you you realize that that uh, it's uh, that it's not worth extending your lifespan through doing brutal and harmful things to others. You think that you know if you if you kill this person, you you'll live longer. Then uh, there's a certain you can justify murder in the, or killing in that way. But really, is that, is that uh, if, if you take it further to a, to a, a deeper understanding, you realize it, that uh, it doesn't, it's not worth killing. Something that one does not want to do, not and will not do. And then we find we take on the 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 uh, we we have this sense of of uh, of uh, respect for ourselves, and and we have this integrity and this wisdom to be able to to direct our life in a, in a way that that these forces are not uh, generally not not much of a problem. We've been a monk for a long time. Uh, there's, my life has not been uh, I've not been caught up in in the situations where there's been terrible temptations and violence and and great great problems on that level so 
reflect on this and and then investigate the dunha desire investigate to contemplate it think about it and then when you feel it desires just objectify them. what does it feel like what does it what does it feel like in the body to like sexual desire or desire for for these flowers or desire to get rid of something what is the desire to get rid of anger like or desire somebody uh, um, annoys you desire to get away from them or get rid of them what does that feel like I notice like here in England because of the the changingness of the weather like like you know someday you have a day where the sun will come out and you you feel oh it's beautiful sunshine whoopee and then the then uh, a dark cloud comes over and then you think oh English weather there it goes and then the sun comes out again and then you go oh sunshine again <laughs> and then the then the dark cloud will come over and you think oh the English weather the English climate grumble grumble grumble. I don't want the dark clouds, I want the sunshine. And uh, just watching, not wanting the dark clouds, not wanting the cold, not wanting the rain, not wanting the weather to be the way it is, is suffering. In living in, I've lived in England now 16, nearly 16 years. I, I've practiced a lot of this. <laughs> I don't. I don't suffer from the weather. No, I. I. I, I like it. I'm used to it. It's. It's. Uh, it's. Uh, the pleasant climate. Uh, the, the. The things that I used to be averse to or found difficult have now no longer that way because, because um, of. Not having desires for them to be other than what they are. So, so think about that in your own, where you live and the people you live with and the society you live in and so forth. How much suffering we create about grumbling, complaining, wanting it to be different than what it is and not uh, wanting things to change for the better, wanting to get rid of the the annoying nuisances of life and this and that and how that level of grumbling, complaining uh, is is such a kind of miserable uh, emotional state to abide in and have to be with that when you see it when you examine the, that kind of desire that creates complaining uh, the complaining mind you 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 can let go of it when you let go of that desire then it ceases and then you realize the peace of non-attachment realize the third noble truth so that's enough for this evening